This week on the Fraternity Story Life podcast, we take a look into the world of fundraising with thoughts about donors and student values. My job is to, to link those people and the work that they're doing um, with donors whose value system, value structure, personal philanthropy, personal interest align with the things that Cassie and her colleagues are doing. And an inside glimpse into the AFA Foundation. Oh my gosh, the annual meeting and the programs and services offered are night and day, and I know from my work with the foundation that that is because of the generosity of our AFA um, foundation givers. Hello, and welcome to the Fraternity Sorority Life podcast. I'm your host, Matt Deeg, and I want to start the show with a special shout out to supporter Thea Zunick. She made a generous donation on behalf of the FSL podcast that made all shows in the month of November possible. So big thanks to Thea. And it's her contribution that made me think about the importance of friends in the field. Even though I'm removed, I can still recall how important it is to have individuals at other campuses and headquarters to toss around ideas with, to vent to, and to celebrate with. There's not a lot of people that get what we do, so we need to find those that do and continue to build those connections. This week, being the AFA annual meeting, is the perfect time to not only reconnect, but also build future connections. Take advantage of that so you can have the support year-round. And now, our guest for the day. With the AFA annual meeting just around the corner and the hashtag Road to Boston campaign wrapping up, I thought it would be beneficial to talk about fundraising and the whys and hows of it in our fraternal world. And so, we welcome Ben Pendry and Cassie Gerhardt to the show. You'll hear about their credentials in our interview, and like all our guests, they care about the fraternal experience and work to make it better. You can help as well. I encourage you to jump over to afa1976.org donate and make a donation to continue the great work of the association. Okay, enjoy our conversation. All right. Hey, Ben and Cassie, how are you today? Good. Doing great, Matt. Awesome. I'm so glad you all were able to take the time and, and chat with me about foundations and, and fundraising work and, and things that we don't really talk about that much in Fraternities for Your Life, but this is the place. This is the time for us to expand folks' knowledge. So um, let's start by getting your credentials out there a little bit. I know you work, both work with the AFA Foundation. Um, you do some fundraising beyond that. Um, I know, Ben, your primary role is in that thing, but Share a little bit about kind of your experiences and how they lead into the work that you do for the AFA Foundation. Ben, you can go ahead and start. Oh gosh, Kathy, thanks a lot. Um, I, uh, you know, I kind of stumbled into fundraising as an undergraduate at Western Carolina University in beautiful Cullowhee, North Carolina. Our uh, our fraternity chapter of, of Sigma Chi uh, was involved in philanthropy and. Uh, we built a relationship with the uh, the WCU Foundation while we were on campus and had the opportunity to work closely with them on, on a few things. So I, I knew kind of what foundations were and, and why they existed. Uh, and when I went to uh, the North American Interfraternity Conference, uh, part of my, my role there was working with the NIC Foundation. And that was really the best thing in the world to get a high-level introduction to the fraternal fundraising world because we worked with... Uh, fraternities and sorority foundations uh, from across the, the, the country, which was a really cool uh, experience. We did a lot of professional development conferences and programming, and so I got to be a part of it at a, at a high level uh, that I, I really wouldn't have otherwise had. And, uh, since then, uh, as you said, I, I'm in a professional fundraising role now at UNC Charlotte. I'm our uh, director of prospect management and research, and so I'm responsible for filling portfolios, working with our gift officers on strategy for uh, their prospects and uh, working with individuals through what we call the donor cycle uh, from identification to qualification uh, to cultivation to solicitation and then stewardship and making sure that each one of those those pieces is as donor-centric as it can be. Um, from a volunteer standpoint, I still do work with Sigma Chi. Uh, I'm on our development committee at church, which is a lot of fun, uh, totally different world. And then, uh, obviously, the AFA Foundation, where I have the good fortune of working with Cassie and an amazing board, and I've served as chair of that board for the last year and a half or so. 
my experience is far less formal than um, the good um, Dr. Pendry's is. Um, my work day job, I serve as the Associate Dean of Students at the University of North Dakota. Um, I have been here in a professional capacity for 15 years. It is also my alma mater, so my longevity, I have wandered my way into a little bit of the development world. I think it's more, um, I now know some of our alumni um, because they were my student leaders and are my peers in college, and so my job um, involves some work with our development um, colleagues at our foundation, so I work closely with the student affairs development officer, whether that be on um, connections to alumni who may have been involved on campus, connections to um, up-and-coming alumni and their role as undergraduate givers, um, connecting to student stories um, to connect with alums, making some of those connections. So not a direct um, capacity, but certainly very involved with it in my day job. Um, in a volunteer capacity, I serve um, as the president of the Alpha Chi Omega National Housing Corporation, so a bit different, um, I think, as a board member, still play that role as um, stewarding on behalf of the Alpha Chi Omega Foundation, and I take that responsibility as a board chair very seriously, and I am um, yeah, just finishing my fifth year as a proud member of the AFA um, Foundation Board, so working with that in my primary role there is... Um, helping with our silent auction each year. Which is always a highlight of my experience, and I'm, I'm sad I won't be able to, you know, bid on stuff this year, unless you take phone bids from afar, and I'm sure you do. I will take phone bids from you, Matt, as a good and loyal donor and bidder, so we can work something out. <laughs> well, we'll see what my, my PhD pocketbook can, can muster up. Gotcha. So. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Well, you know, Ben, I really appreciated kind of you talking about that that donor cycle, um, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But it sounds like you know we've got two separate aspects of things, right? I think Ben, you probably work with folks like Cassie at your institution, who you're trying, you know, you're working with them to really cultivate those those donors and those donor relationships. And then Cassie, you're really kind of the the woman with those contact points, right? And so you can bring people together and, and connect Ben and, and help him to find those types of stories, right? So if you were to exist on an institution, I can see you both probably working pretty closely together, right? Exactly. You know, the, my job would not exist um, without Cassie. And so if you think about our, uh, our practitioners on campuses, whether they be student affairs practitioners, academic practitioners, or faculty, um, the, the administrators that, that do the day-to-day -day work with our students, um, you know, that's why my job exists, to link those people and the work that they're doing um, with donors whose value system, value structure, personal philanthropy, personal interest align with the things that Cassie and, and, and her colleagues are doing. And the better the relationship there, the, the better it works out for everyone. I, I consider myself, and when I work with our gift officer team here, you know, I use the word facilitator a lot. Um, I, I shouldn't be doing a lot of the story building or, or, or creating because the practitioners and people in Cassie's position, they have those stories. They have those relationships. My job is to make the, the facility or to facilitate the best possible experience for our donors, uh, whether it be UNC Charlotte or at, at AFA Foundation, the best possible experience for our donors so they can see the power of their own philanthropy and in the work that people like Cassie or our volunteers in AFA and the staff at AFA are doing. Uh, that's why we exist to help to help create those experiences for our donors. And, and Cassie is, is, is mission critical for sure. Yeah, and it sounds <clears throat> sorry. It sounds like you know we need the fraternities for life professionals and other professionals to be making kind of to be making that outreach, right? I think you know they could make your job easier if they're constantly sharing. Hey, here are some really cool stories, and, and providing you with you know those those inputs and building that relationship up. And I think that's one of the ways that we can break out of just existing in our little our silos as fraternity story life professionals is to reach out to, you know, perhaps a, a group that we never really thought to reach out to, which is the foundation officers at our institutions. 
let me, I, let me say I, something and I'll, because I want to prompt Cassie because I, I know that there's something here that, that she is going to speak to. In, in some, my experience has been that the more willing that campus-based professional is to go to the alumni office, to go to the foundation office, to be open to having conversations with alumni and donors, the more rewarding that experience is for the students and for that practitioner. Cassie, I cut you off there because I, yeah. I, I'm really curious in, in your thought about that. I, I think it's key, and I think we do work in partnership. You know, I, I think of it even last week on my campus. Um, it was homecoming, and on our campus, the University of North Dakota, and this is true for any campus or for the foundation that we make those connections. You know, I meet the student who has been served by the Pancrantz Career Center in our College of Business, and he raves about the support he gets to work on his resume and all of these things. Well, he happens to be a student going to one of our major banquets, and who walks in the room but Linda Pancrantz, who is the Pancrantz of the Pancrantz Center. And so for the student to get to meet Linda, a very successful UND alum, um, it was a big night for him. But for Linda to then also hear his story and how um, a center to which she has given her time, talent, and treasure has impacted a student, it was just one of those chance meetings. And so I know that while I might, as a practitioner, not be responsible for the ask, I have an important role to play in terms of the stewardship of donors, in terms of making those connections to stories, in terms of helping my partners at the foundation develop the case statements and the stories to go out and develop the asks. And so again, while my day job does not require a certain goal level of donations or an ask expectation, I still know I play a valuable role in the development process, whether it is um, connecting students to our alums or knowing our alums and knowing things that they might want to connect to, it's a it's a critical piece to the whole development cycle. Well, and that's, you know, that's really fascinating and, and kind of comforting, too, because I remember when I was a campus-based professional and I had magically somehow had two chapters celebrating 100-year anniversaries, and so they both gave donations to a leadership fund for us. I was like, this is great. I didn't even have to do anything here. Um, but then I was freaking out about like, well, how do I continue to do this? And, you know, I, I didn't really build that strong of a relationship to figure out how to further that ask. But it's comforting to know that that's not fully in the responsibility of a fraternity sorority life professional, right? We've got these partners like Ben and the, you know, the Ben's on our campus, as it were. Exactly. So, but, you know, let's let's back up a little bit because um, I think, you know, we're, I'll be really cheesy here and make a bad pun, but, you know, the foundations of foundations, right? Um, you know, when I was chatting with Dan Rona about professional development, we started by actually talking about, like, why they were important or why it was important and what it was. And so I'd love to do the same thing with, with you all about foundations and fundraising. I think everybody can say, hey, this is important, right? We all need money. We need to do this. We need to cultivate these donor streams. But why are they actually important? You know, I jump in and I think about it. Our organizations, whether that is our campuses, our fraternities and sororities, or AFA, they wouldn't be what they are today without um, their foundations and without the development and the stewardship and the gift collection, the fundraising that they do, and, and I think we often lose sight of that, and I think that's a testament to the relationships that exist between foundations and um, really more of the member organization of the reason we give. So again, as, a, as an alum of UND at the University of North Dakota, I give to the foundation because I love the University of North Dakota. The foundation is the pass-through. Um, the AFA Foundation, in the same way, I give to the AFA Foundation because of my affiliation and my membership in the Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors. And so it is the foundation's work that provides that member experience through AFA that makes me want to give and I hope makes other members want to give that we're supporting those um, professional opportunities, those experiences that allow them to develop relationships and become better um, campus-based professionals or headquarters professionals. Again, the foundation works to support that organization that we initially joined um, and where we have our identity. And I will, again, I, Ben, I hope that coincides with what you will say or, and you will say it even better. 
No, you say you say it beautifully. I mean, that's that's why you're the award-winning Dr. Kathy Gerard. I think that yep. you know, there, there, there's so much about these communities um, and these organizations that we've all bought into so heavily. I mean, and there's data to drive this. There's research to drive this. There's um, uh, you know, anecdotal data. I mean, we, we know that these that these organizations, fraternities, sororities, our alma maters. Um, are, are, are powerful organizations that, that tie us strongly emotionally uh, to their mission. You know, foundations exist uh, to be mission-driven organizations doing societal good. I mean, you can get into the history of, of nonprofit organizations and the history of foundations. You know, back in the earliest days, there were um, there were financial benefits certainly to to those organizations coming about. But they were they were created as a as a government entity, uh, you know, as a tax entity, so that people could uh, do societal good and get a benefit for it. And so, when you think about um, our organizations, it's only logical that we've had a great deal of success, not only in fundraising but also in maintaining alumni support and alumni connections, volunteerism. Uh, I mean, you look at. I mean, the three of us on the phone call each volunteer for, for multiple pieces of, of the fraternal industry. And so when we, when we want to really drive into, well, what makes this so special? It's because these organizations buy into this idea that we are mission-driven. And the AFA Foundation is, uh, is very committed to securing and investing the resources to make our profession stronger. Uh, whether you work like I do in a, in a fundraising office and you don't work day-to-day with, with uh, fraternity and sorority undergraduates um, or you work at a headquarters or you work on a campus, we are people who, who know that these organizations have an impact on young people and that they make their uh, campuses and their communities better and that it works. And when the, the more it works right and the more it works well, the better off we're all going to be. And the AFA Foundation is interested in, in continuing that. Yeah, and I, Cassie, your your point about the fact that foundations really, for you, are you see them as kind of the pass through that um, you know you value your experience at the University of North Dakota, or I value my experience through the Association of Fraternity Sorority Advisors, um, and the foundation is my mechanism to continue to support that work. Um, and so, you know, and I think we're, we'll talk a little bit here in, a, here in a second about kind of the stewardship of those resources and kind of the roles that foundations play. But um, I really appreciate that as this is, if we appreciate this, if, if we as individuals identify with the mission and vision and the work that an organization or entity is doing, that the foundation is our way of showing that appreciation and showing that um, continued support of those missions and visions and values. So I think that's a really cool kind of conceptual way of thinking about it and talking with other folks about foundation work. Well, and, and I think it goes, it's um, your foundation mission needs to be in sync with the mission of the parent association. And I appreciate how um, Ben calls it, the parent community and whatever that is. Again, we give to communities, we give to people, and that's important. And if you don't have mission um, synchronicity, I think that's where you're going to have issues, and certainly we've heard about those, you know, in other places, but I think that's important. Um, again, the AFA Foundation exists to serve the Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors, and that's, again, you can't make a donation to AFA, you give to the foundation. Yeah. Well, and, you know, thinking about that and the work that we do with, um, or the work that y'all do with, foundations and fundraising what's been kind of the most difficult aspect for you this is the cheesy strength and weakness portion of the program but you know more more so just difficult and then we'll, we'll talk about some of the enjoyable things too but you know I'd, I'd love to hear kind of hey how have you grown through this experience you know for me the, um, and I am guessing Ben might agree both in his day job and in his volunteer role for me, the most difficult part is not having the resources to fund everything we want to fund, and whether that is through the AFA Foundation, you know, gosh, I wish we had more money to give to the annual meeting and more money to give to um, programs that help new professionals or seasoned professionals. Um, 
at the end of the day, there's still only so much to go around. So that really, for me, has been the most difficult on my campus. Gosh, I wish there were more scholarship dollars. I wish we had some more endowed um, professor um, positions. Um, so for me, it's the most difficult thing is when, you know, maybe if we would have worked a little bit harder in our fundraising, we could do more for our communities and our organizations. That, to me, has always been the most difficult aspect. And going along with that is, I'm guessing, somewhat the resource allocation when you're when you're looking and saying, well, we we wish we could do more with this and, you know, we'll never be... I think 100% fully funded because there's always more cool things that we can do and more ways that we can support our students and staff. But, you know, is is kind of the resource allocation piece uh, an extension of that difficult aspect? Oh, oh sure. You know, again, when, you know, I, I think of it in um, the work on, on a grant committee um, for AFA, and you get some amazing applications of research or programs or things people want to do. And at the end of the day, we only have a few thousand dollars to offer in grants, and it's all worthy of um, receipt of information. The number of, uh, of resources, excuse me, um, the number of scholarship applications we receive, and we know that as campuses face tight budgets and headquarters don't have money to send everybody to AFA, gosh, if we had just a few more scholarships, is that the difference between someone getting to experience an annual meeting or not experience it? So, yeah, name what it is. We can always use more resources to support our members and their experiences. Yeah. The hardest thing for me, Matt, is, is looking at and just the hardest thing for me is looking at surveys and things like that after the annual meeting. And, and hearing from people who say, you know, every time someone took the stage, all you did is ask for money. All you did was ask for money. The only thing you do is ever ever do is ask me for money. And I, I hate feeling like I, I know that there is more that we can do to reach out to that. You're not going to get 100%. But I don't want anybody to feel like we're not being good stewards of, of the fund that we have. And so... You know, when when people when people say that, I take that personally, right? Like, no, I don't want I don't just want your money. I want you to engage. I want you to give. I want you to understand that what we're trying to do here is build a philanthropic community, just the same way we build a professional community and a, a community of care and a community of um, strong uh, professionals. So I, I I don't like getting that pushback, but I'm just selfish. Uh, you know, I want everybody to be happy. <laughs> and to and to feel like that they would would find something or something to latch on to about what it is that we're doing in the you know seventy to ninety thousand dollars a year that we give back to the association and understand that that is making their profession stronger and I don't I don't you know people are entitled to their own opinion about that uh, and and they certainly can can have it. But I want people to understand that we're all volunteers. Nobody's nobody's getting paid to stand up there and, and, and tell people about the things that we're doing as a foundation. Uh, and if there's something that we can be doing better, I want to see us do it better. I want to see us better communicate what it is that we're doing, telling the stories that Cassie just talked about, about the areas, the programs, the research that doesn't get funded because we, we just don't have enough and we've got to be good stewards of, of what we are giving away. Um, or not giving away, but what we are investing in on behalf of our donors. Uh, the second thing there is, I don't ever, I don't ever want to get into a position where the, the foundation is wagging the dog, the tail is wagging the dog, so to speak. You know, we we brushed up on that in the past, where you know we have donors or folks that are interested in something that just may not fit into the mission right now of the association. And so we've got to be really conscious and we've got to pay a lot of attention. And, and we, that's why we have such a good partnership with our, our friends on the association board that the foundation is going out there and talking about the, the things that the association wants to do, that the membership wants to see. And we want to be responsive to those needs, not creating new programs just for the sake of creating new programs. We want to be in lockstep and stay concerted in our joint efforts along with the association to make sure we're taking the most advantage of the resources that we do have. Well, I, you know, I appreciate hearing that because I think that shared partnership, again, going back to the, you know, the foundation being kind of the, um, the pass through, right. In terms of supporting the association, I, I love hearing that. And I think, you know, that's, 
when we think about just any foundation, that's what we hope it does. And Ben, I've never written that you you asked me for too much money um, or ask ask me too many times for money. On that. <laughs> and, and if you did, that's fine. And I understand the sentiment, but I, but I want I want folks to understand the other side of that too. <laughs> yeah, no, I I happen to think it's really cool when you know we get up and we can say, hey, here's what we've done and here's what we can do in the future, because that to me. You know, I feel like we're channeling capsules living in the land of possibility with that saying, well, here's where we are. Here's where we could be. You know, let's let's get there. Um, And so that, you know, that makes me real excited. But, you know, a little positive reinforcement for you there, because I don't think anybody's going to write on the evaluation. Please ask us for more money. Uh, (laughs) Please ask me for more money. (laughs) You're you're 100 percent right about that. So, well, you know, flipping flipping gears, because, you know, I lead with the rip the bandaid off but now let's talk about the the really cool stuff what's the most enjoyable part of things for you you know for me it's the the stories um and the relationships so it's getting to um visit with someone and understanding um the impact of getting to go to an annual meeting and what that means um you know, the impact of getting a scholarship and the difference that that makes from someone getting an annual meeting experience or not. And we know that, again, a grad student getting to go to the annual meeting might be the difference between them um, getting into the profession or not or connecting with that person who will be a future supervisor and mentor. To me, it's, it's the stories of how our gifts have impacted people. It's um, seeing the impact of um, a, a big-name keynoter and people being amazed that they got to listen and learn from someone when they went to an annual conference and I know that the work that we do in the foundation whether that's um, selling stuff at a silent auction, visiting with someone in a donor den or selling one more because you believe sticker (laughs) I know that we've played a part in impacting that experience and in some cases I think people give credit to AFA because it's the AFA annual meeting, it's that event but I know when I hear it and then we have a responsibility to help educate them that it's our work um, as foundation members that really made that awesome That's really cool. And I, you know, I love the emphasis on, on kind of the stories, right? Because you're taking this, I think oftentimes we look and we just think of a foundation as a very nebulous thing, right? We, we give money, we see programs that happen, but then we don't think about the stories, but that's really what the foundation is. It's a, it's a story creator. And, um, you know, my, my conversation with Steve Whitby on, on the podcast, he, he talks about just listening to other people's stories and letting that be a way to build community and build understanding of everyone. I think, you know, the more stories we can tell about the foundation, the the better off we're going to be. And we're going to get some chance towards the end of this for y'all to talk about some of the cool things that the foundation's been doing um, with, you know, in, in the time that you've been working with it and beyond. So, but before we get there, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is really cool about the opportunity we have on this podcast is to provide some, some professional development that folks may not be able to get otherwise. Um, you know, that's really why this whole thing started, but, um, talk to me about, let's say someone wants to do fundraising or foundation work. You know, I'm a campus-based professional or I'm, I'm on headquarters staff and I want to either partner and be a better asset to my foundation. 
um, that exists or, you know, I need to do some of it on my own. What are some things that I should keep in mind? Talking about in direct partnership with AFA Foundation or just do you want to get into to fundraising work, nonprofit work on your own? Fundraising work kind of on your own, right? So, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm recognizing that perhaps my department on campus really needs to have a new program or we need to host an impact or a UIFI or a leadership or something and we need to get donor dollars to do that, right? How can I, as a professional, make that happen? A great, it's a great question. You know, I, I think that one of the things we underestimate is the power of, of major gifts. And so everybody, you know, we're in a world of crowdfunding right now where we think that every idea, every project, every program, we can put it up on, on GoFundMe or Kickstarter and have 500 donors that are going to just come out of the woodwork and, you know, with $100 a piece and all of a sudden we're going to be floating in it. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Um, you know, for for our purposes, you know, you think about a a capital campaign. UNC Charlotte's in the middle of a capital campaign. Uh, the AFA Foundation is is wrapping up a, a kind of a mini campaign right now, and the most important components of that are going to our leaders, going to the major donors first, and soliciting, figuring out what's really possible. And so, for our capital campaign here at UNC Charlotte. You know, the first things that we did, we just went public a couple of weeks ago. Well, two years ago, we went to the very top donors and we sat down with them and had conversations about feasibility. You know, is this possible? Is this something that you can get behind? Here's what we believe is going to be necessary. And so you test some of those numbers with your best supporters. So if it's a program or a project you want to accomplish in your office, uh, you know you've got a strong case for support, you've got a, a business plan or know, pro forma, whatever it might be, you know, test that out with some of the people that you're closest to. Some of your, um, if we're talking about a campus-based professional's office, and I would say test it out with some of the chapter advisors. Go to some of the house corporation officers. Get to some of those alumni who have been successful and, and talk about the program there and see what kind of support you can get. Find yourself an advocate that can get, then go to the university or to the university or to the um, uh, fraternity or sororities foundation and say you know what we can put together something around this um and and you you you've really got to think big think about the large gifts that you want to get in the door first before you start going out and saying everybody you know all ten thousand greek alumni if everybody gave a dollar then we would be successful it doesn't work like that it's an 80 20 rule uh the 80 20 rule applies here you know, eighty percent of the resources are going to come from twenty percent of the people, and, and that rule absolutely applies in fundraising. Well, I think too, you're you're setting up a kind of a benchmarking, right? If you can say, "Hey, here's where our our gift is," and you know these these donors, major donors, gave X number of dollars, people might look at that, and that's an anchoring point for them, and so they may be they may give more than they probably originally would have thought to give because they look at that anchoring point and they say, "Well, I can't give." $10 million, but I can give X. You know, Matt, I will... Oh, sorry. No, you go for it. Go for it. You know, I, and, and this is one where I will certainly defer to um, Ben, who does this for a living, um, and I am the person who goes to conferences and goes to every how-to-be-a-development-person-and-do-fundraising session, and over time, you know, <laughs> I, I think I've written it down, and it's kind of like this. I've I've learned you just got to meet people and you got to listen to them and you've got to be willing to tell your story and you've got to know your story and you've, you've got to be able to explain that and tell it with some passion. And then you got to listen to the person again to see where you can pick up where their story matches yours. And then you can't be afraid to do the ask. Um, people get if they meet with individuals who work for a foundation, who work in the field of donor relations and development. People understand they're going to be asked for money, but after you do an ask, you've also got to listen, and um, I think the listening is key. I think so many times people in the world of development are so worried about filling in the silent space, and what am I going to say, and what am I going to say? I find that donors, they want to talk, and you've got to be willing to listen to them and figure out how what you need matches what they're saying and what they want to do, 
and then the biggest thing is is the thank and the stewardship of it and I think we we get those gifts in sometimes and we forget the thanking part and um, I think sometimes I'm derelict on that we move on to the next ask but I think the listening to our donors um, is a key key aspect they have stories they want to share um, and um, ways that they want to give that I think giving is very personal and I think you need to listen to what they want to do and figure out how that matches your organization. Again, that's the unschooled things I've picked up from going to sessions over time. So it's so true. It's so true. Well, and Ben, I don't know if you were going to jump in and say some other stuff, but you know that. <clears throat> no, I, I was just saying how true that was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I listening so you can. Right, fill in and, and find kind of how you might connect with them um, and, and seeing them more as a person rather than, you know, right, rather than a checkbook. Because I think people recognize that too, right? If you're just there to, to get money, they, they recognize that versus developing and establishing that relationship. So. And I think that's where those really surprising gifts come in sometimes. I have a development person on campus who has a donor who for a number of years was um, wooed and um, met with in hopes of getting a gift for an academic program, one of our colleges, and people knew he had significant ability to give, and he never gave, and he never gave to that program, and again, had been successful in his respective industry, and have a student affairs development person who sat down with coffee and started talking about his fraternity experience, and um, made the connection of maybe you can give to your fraternity. The man has now got a um, commitment of ten to twelve thousand a month for the next seven years, with some state match. The total gift will be one point four six million dollars, and will pay out annually fifty thousand dollars in scholarships to his fraternity. And that all is because a development person just sat and listened to what his passion was, and then had something that connected with his passion. So, if you don't take the time to listen, and all you do is do the talking. Um, you don't know what you're missing out on. And I think there's lots of stories like that out in this work, but it takes listening to a donor and what they're passionate about. Well, that makes, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, I, I want to get to kind of the, the final portion of this, which is really talking directly about the AFA Foundation and the work y'all are doing. But before we get there, other final thoughts about, Things for professionals to keep in mind. I mean, I'm I'm hearing you know make that connection with your with your foundation on your campus or, or at your headquarters because you don't have to do this work alone. Um, but then you know the power of stories as well as listening to you know other other stories, right? Especially the the targeted donors' stories and helping to build that rapport and build kind of that fundraising pool. So, but any other thoughts for professionals as they look at and think about doing this work? I don't think it should be scary. Um, for all of us who work in the fraternity and sorority world, in essence, this goes back to recruitment. It's about meeting people. It's about becoming their friends. It's about introducing them to opportunities that you have. In this case, rather than joining your chapter, it's opportunities to give. But to me, so much of what I do in the area of development goes back to the skills I learned as a um, chapter recruitment person many, many moons ago. So, you know, again, the many things that you learn through your fraternity and sorority experience, I can make a direct connection to the work I do in the area of development with what I learned as a chapter recruitment person. Matt, I'll, excuse me, I'll, I'll add to that and say there's a, there's a non-sexy side of all this, and, and the relationship piece of it is important. And, um, you know, since I've been in, in this role, which is uh, spending a lot more time with our data and with our, our, our measurements of, of success on the fundraising side and specifically the major gift side, Know, don't underestimate the power of data. Most major donors that we have uh, at UNC Charlotte and, and, and a couple of the other places, many of the other places that I've worked, major donors want to know impact. They want to know what's going to happen with their dollar. And if you can measure it, you're going to be out ahead of that. You better believe that if we're talking to a real major donor, that other organizations who are approaching them about giving are showing them data and metrics about the impact of their gift, the return that they're getting on that investment. These are these are people that um, are used to talking about money. They're used to having conversations about return. 
and they want to see that from us too. And so that's an area where, uh, in my experience, uh, as, a, as a student affairs fundraiser, which I was here at, at, at Charlotte for a little while, um, we're a little behind on that in, in some of our, our universities, our institutions. Um, we, we've got to do a better job showing the impact of what it is that we're doing. Fraternity and sorority life is out ahead a little bit because we do a little bit more measurement. We're able to track our people a little bit more. Um, student organizations, we, we struggle a little bit there. Res life, sometimes we struggle a little bit there in measuring impact. We all know, I mean, the three of us know the power of those environments. Your learning communities, your power of your RA program, uh, certainly the power of fraternity and sorority life for student government. But the more we can track the data and learn and outcomes of the work that we're doing, the better positioned we're going to be to talk, to have conversations with major donors, and and frankly, to have conversations with with grantors, you know, you know private granting foundations and organizations that are out there that can help support our work. We've got to do a better job of, of putting some of our work down on paper and, and showing uh, showing analysis, longitudinal analysis from year over year of how we're moving the needle. That's how we're going to find more funding and, and, and utilize and find more resources. Yeah, and as, you know, as someone who gives to both AFA Foundation but also to some other you know other different nonprofits, I know that probably one of the greatest things that keeps me giving, and I know I'm not a major donor. Um, you know, maybe someday, but not yet. Um, but I know one of the things that keeps me going is hearing those stories and seeing the successes that the individuals who are receiving my, my funding are, are making, right? So whether that be a program that they're hosting or increased lives impacted, right? That makes me even more willing and excited to continue giving and trying to find additional like sources of, of revenue or ways to give. So I think that's totally true. But let's shift gears kind of to the to the final final portion of of this episode and you know i think the cool thing is i've got two folks with ties to the afa foundation most of our our listeners are fraternity sorority professionals um one way or another right in on campuses headquarters or sometimes even just chapter advisors um and for those of you listening that's my cat trying to get in the door like he's being really grumpy right now if you're wondering what the heck that noise is <laughs> you're doing a little side building or something i was like Oh, maybe there's another, um, a, you know, take off of the show later. We're going to do like a home improvement segment. <laughs> nope, nope. That's just little Panther trying to get in. That's luckily, awesome, Matt. luckily I can edit him out. But, um, <laughs> so, but no. So, so backing up. So you guys both have have ties to the AFA Foundation. Ben, you've you've been the chair for a year and a half. You said, and, and Cassie, you've been working with them for about five years now. Um, so. Talk to me about the foundation's work and, and its importance to the profession. This is kind of that cool time. I'm, I'm real excited for this. Ben, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? Or Go ahead, Cassie. I, I, I'd love to hear, hear your thoughts. That'll, that'll help me, too. This is, this is where Ben is like, I always worry, like, is, am I getting it right or wrong? So I oh want to talk as Chuck, as the old person on the call. Um, you know, in, in my five years um, with the foundation, I... I can see firsthand how the work that we've done, um, the generosity of our members, our partners, whether that be individual uh, members, whether it be our fraternity and sorority partners, I have seen an increase in the quality and depth of programming that we're able to provide, whether that be at the annual meeting or in terms of some of the non-annual meeting programs, whether it's, again, Advance You, First 90 Days, um, those types of things. I've seen the growth in just the last five years. Um, the quality of the speakers coming in to kick off our annual meeting, I think that also then we see more and more people coming to the annual meeting. So, again, we're still a, a relatively young organization, even at 40. You know, NASPA is going to hit 100 um, next year. So we're oh still a fairly young organization to see where we've grown as a foundation and the things that we've been able to do and the breadth of our donors um, and some people who are giving some significant gifts and again whether that's at the individual level um, or that is our fraternity and sorority partners um, all of them are impressive you know I think of our fraternity and sorority partners you know they've got missions to raise money and benefit their members and they recognize that by giving to the AFA foundation they in turn are benefiting their members that says a lot um, I've seen that growth you know you, you think back and this is where I start to date myself 
I think back to the time when people stood on stage and we introduced um, a beta gift and how far we've come and how many more organizations beyond beta are choosing to share their treasure with the Association of Fraternity Advisors in terms of bettering um, professionals and providing opportunities for professional growth. Again, and I'm just saying five years, I've been associated with AFA now since 1999, so 17 years. Oh my gosh, the annual meeting and the programs and services offered are night and day. And I know from my work with the foundation that that is because of the generosity of our AFA um, foundation givers. I, I can see it firsthand. So again, a lot of that is anecdotal. I wish I had the data points that Matt, or that Ben talks about, and, and we certainly have those in the foundation. But anecdotally, I hope our members and those who've been around for a while can see the impact um, and um, of those gifts to the annual meeting and to the other AFA program and educational opportunities. Cassie says that so so beautifully, and and it's 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 anecdotal, and it's and it's backed up with the research and and the numbers. You know, there we talk about there being a, a 50-50 split in fundraising, and it's it's the art and versus not versus it's art and science, fifty percent art and fifty percent science, and striking that balance. Um, for your donors is, is really critical because you've got to do both. You know, and we know as an organization that we have to do some of the science piece. We have to sit down and we have to set our goals. We have to set our budget. We have to we have to meet certain marks in order to be the responsible stewards of all of our of our funds and the responsible relationship builders with all of our donors. So, you know, going into this fiscal year. Um, which is we're in fiscal year 17 now. Um, you know, as we were thinking about the 40th anniversary, you know, the board came together in the summer of 15 and said, you know, it's time for us to put some put some marks down on paper and really try to measure ourselves about what we're doing. And you know, we had done that before in smaller ways, but we set goals for ourselves between July 1, 2015 and October 31st, 2016. So that pulls in all of FY16 and a few months into this year. And we said, you know what, we want 40 new Leadership Society donors. That's folks with cumulative giving at a thousand. Mm -hmm. We want 40 upgraded leader uh, society folks. So if you're in one giving society um, on July 1, 2015, we want you in the next highest society by October 31st, 16. We want 40 new amicus we want 40 amicus sequentis donors which is our plan giving society and we want to say we've raised two hundred fifty thousand dollars. and i can tell you we we blew the leadership society goal out of the water we we met that a month or so ago we've eclipsed the upgrades number we don't know how we're going to get enough how to ship all these bricks to boston we're closing in on the amicus sequentis <laughs> And uh, and we will we will overtake uh, our two hundred fifty thousand dollar goal, and we'll be able to report specifics on each of those. You know, because we're still in campaign right now, on our way to the to Boston and the road to the fortieth. So you know, putting some metrics down on paper to start trying to track who we are as an organization and what we're doing with our donors' money uh, is very important to to this board. Uh, and to me personally, because I want to be able to report on some of that. I want to know the science behind it. I want to know the data. The stories, the stories come. The stories from every, from every scholarship winner to the folks that participate in the new professionals track or the grad training track or the first 90 days program or have listened into an advanced U program. And every single person who has sat through an opening session or a closing session has been in some way the beneficiary of the work of this foundation. And it's just the coolest thing in the world to know that people who go to the annual meeting and, and belong to this association are building a community, a philanthropic community, around our professional community. And it doesn't always happen like that. I mean, you can think about the professional groups that you're a part of that, that don't have the kind of giving spirit that folks in the Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors have. And it's it's just the it's the thrill of the, of the lifetime for me to, to be a part of the AFA Foundation board right now. Yeah, that's really cool, and it's really cool to get kind of a, a sneak peek at 
at some of the results from this campaign. And I think that's, you know, the, the last point I want to hear first folks. Yep. They sure did. Um, and you know, I'd love for them to have, I think, you know, they'll get to hear some of this before you all make the final announcement. So I'd love for folks to have the opportunity to even add to some of those numbers as they listen. And so, you know, I know we're doing some fundraising around the hashtag road to Boston. Um, and so, you know, I will put a link in our, our show notes for the AFA Foundation's website and the link to give for folks. Um, you know, this is... And the silent auction is always taking items. So maybe someone's got something at home or has something they want to re-gift. The silent auction will take those items. Hey, and if it's a book, I might I buy you, it. Matt, that, that, silent, that silent auction and our In Honor Of campaign for our award winners, all of our amazing award winners this year... Um, which is our, our, our amazing Dr. Kathy Gerhardt is one of those. Uh, you know, that In Honor Of campaign, the silent auction and the stickers, those uh, things together make up about 25 to 30% of our annual revenue. And so i got to underscore how important those things are to the AFA Foundation. So folks out there, if you're thinking about their best time to give, do it in honor of an award winner. Make sure you're donating to and bringing items for the silent auction. Buy some stickers um, or just go to afa1976.org slash give. Uh, you know, now is the time to do that. afa1976.org slash give. Awesome. Well, you know, in, in honor of the, the great Amy Voigt, I'd say bid early, bid often. Um, Bingo! <laughs> And, you know, I want to thank both of you for, for your time and for your continued support of AFA and of the foundation, because, you know, this is very much a volunteer role for you all, too, that you, know, you, are, you are helping to steward and provide um, for so much of the growth and development of the professionals in our, in our world. And so I want to thank you all for, for, one, doing that, but also, too, for taking the time to, to share about foundation work and, and some of the cool stuff that the AFA Foundation, as well as you know, you all are doing on your own campuses. So, thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Matt. Matt, this is a great resource that you're providing to, to the folks out there, and I, I so appreciate that. And Cassie, as always, you and, and your amazing family. Thank you for everything you do. Awesome. You too. Thank you, buddy. And that's our show for this week. Again, just a friendly reminder to jump over to afa1976.org slash donate to make a donation to further our fraternal work. And as always, if you have questions or thoughts, hit me up on Twitter, at Matt Deeg. We're off for December. I'll see you in the new year. Stay curious.